2: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Again, speaking of powerful women, there's another podcast question I'd love to ask you, which is, if the world was ending...
2: We just talked about Kimberly Locke, and you're like, speaking of powerful women... Speaking
1: of powerhouses (laughs) in culture... (laughs) welcome back to that's a gay ass podcast the podcast where we ask whose fault is it that you're gay i'm eric williams and holy shit (laughs) this week has been fucking nuts uh in a good way there's like a lot of good things happening but who we has it been overwhelming and it has definitely confirmed that the zoloft is not working (laughs) my anxiety has been through the roof but the good news is i have an appointment this week and we're definitely going to switch things up so stay tuned and also thank you for all your nice messages it really really means a lot that you have uh, ideas of uh, things to try next and your personal experience and i really do appreciate it and i'm optimistic that something will fucking work. Fingers crossed. But part of the excitement is that my twin brother had his baby this week. He and his wife are already such good parents. The baby is gorgeous and I'm so so happy for them. Uh and the other exciting thing is besides having Danny Pellegrino who if you don't know, has literally one of the most popular podcasts ever Not only is he a guest on this week, but that's right, the Patreon is live. I've been working on it for for a long time, and it is so exciting to see how many people have already subscribed. If you haven't yet, I really, really suggest you take a look. I put that link in the show notes and also, of course, on the Instagram But the perks are really great. It's bonus episodes. It's early access to merch. It's going to be extended episodes. We actually have an extended Danny Pellegrino clip that I only included for the Patreon. That is some really good lightning round questions. So make sure you subscribe. That perk is a gift for the premiere. So any level you sign up for, you get that bonus Danny Pellegrino content. And I also have uh, video episodes up too. So the entire video that's going to be unedited danny's is up there already now so i i really so appreciate your support and i really didn't know if anyone was going to listen to this and the fact that you do is incredible and of course it really is an expensive venture and incredibly time consuming and i love it but this patreon will absolutely ensure that i can continue to make this and uh, interview more incredible people Now, this week on the podcast, we have Danny Pellegrino. Yes, the host of Everything Iconic, which is, of course, an iconic podcast. He has interviewed people that you would not believe. Like Cameron Diaz, Elizabeth Olsen, Every Single Housewife, Andy Cohen, I mean Rosie O'Donnell. He also has co-authored a book called Fancy AF Cocktails with our good friends Tom Sandoval and Ariana Maddox from Vanderpump Rules. And he has another book that's gonna come out in March of twenty of this coming year. So look out for Danny's book in March. He really ended up being a perfect guest. I was again a little nervous with Danny because he is one of my dream people and from the jump he is not only such a professional but clearly like a perfect guest so one of my favorite episodes of all time make sure you give us a subscribe and a review and again that patreon is in the show notes uh you're gonna want to stick around to the end of this episode because he reveals a a, something he's heard about ricky martin in terms of a fetish moment and who among us doesn't want to picture ricky martin in any and every way sexually thanks for being here thanks for being queer and here's danny pellegrino listen up danny pellegrino i am not feeling like today is a normal day because it's not it is not every day that danny pellegrino is on that's the gayest podcast and like yeah this podcast may be gay as hell but today everything is truly iconic and thank you for coming on i really mean that
2: eric thank you i'm so excited
1: to meet you i mean oh we're over zoom but i'm super excited to chat
2: and and have a little uh, gay old time
1: yes Exactly. A gay old time. I mean, I have to say that I feel like I saw you recently, even though I didn't. But I was at the Watch What Happens live show in your audience watching you kill it. Right. And you emailed me and I was like so worried because after the whole thing ended,
2: we were virtual on that. And every time that we went to commercial, I would, like, grab my little powder, and I'd powder myself, and then I realized, like, oh, I think the audience can see me doing
1: that. It's so weird what the audience experience is, because at one point—and don't worry, nothing was said that was—just before the show, you would hear on the speakers, I could hear, like, you talking to the other guests a little bit. You couldn't really make out words, but I was like, why are they piping in their, like, pre-show hang— kind of to the audience and then maybe playing music but your makeup moment was just really humanizing and, and oh, yeah. honestly glamorous and gorgeous
2: well you know you gotta have a little powder on because every time i see myself on these things i'm like oh i'm so shiny i'm italian i got oily skin and by the way Listen. us talking i feel like beforehand because ben and ronnie and sasha and i are all friends they were also on that episode and so beforehand i'm glad no one could hear because we were like like talking about erica jane and like just going into like all of the bravo
1: stuff truly um, uncensored yeah uncensored unfiltered. i mean i uh kept turning to my friend watching the taping i was like this is they are so good at this and i would be freaking out i feel like you're obviously a pro at this point but like i don't know and you're just like all right you're about to be on television in about four seconds i'm like yeah i would be dabbing my forehead too i would but do you do you still feel nervous when you do watch what happens or is it kind of yeah. like eh?
2: I think like it's been, it's been better because it's been virtual. So I think there's not as much pressure or anything because you're at home. You're in your comfort zone. I only did it once. I was a bartender, uh, when I was like at the thing before the shutdown and before COVID really took over the world. So I got to be there once, but I wasn't like a main guest or anything. And so I think at home, there's much less pressure and it's not as stressful, but I still get a little nervous. And I, you know, I really like Andy. I know people feel sort of different ways about andy but he's always been so incredibly nice to me and i always just want to like impress him and it's like i i want to make andy laugh it's like if i could get andy to laugh
1: oh yeah it's like daddy andy it's like when you get rupaul to laugh on drag race it's like that's the golden ticket right Right. But I I think I do like Andy as well. I think he, I'm sure to some people, he's like such a big personality and also so successful. Yeah, there's going to be some people that think he's a dick, but if he, he, I'm sure, is a good person that just likes to flirt with a twink every now and again. And who are we to blame him for that? <laughs> Among
2: us. No, I think it's interesting. I was just talking to a friend about gay representation and we were saying it's like when there is so few prominent gay people in media or pop culture, I think we sort of expect the ones that we do have to... Th- Check sort of every box and that's hard. And you know, we were talking about that show looking. Do you remember that show on HBO, which, which I really enjoyed and it wasn't perfect. And, but it, it almost felt like it was impossible that it would represent everyone. And so of course people were critical. And I think that's largely just because there are so few shows that feature. A mostly gay cast and so it sucks
1: i agree i i do think that also a point some guests have made too is that sometimes in the gay community especially when you see someone else doing the thing and when you are growing up you think you're the only person with that experience and so seeing someone else do it, it's like well that's not my experience and then you subconsciously maybe either criticize or, or or tear down just because it is not your experience and there hasn't been that representation that we're used to right Right, but you're
2: right. Like everyone is a different person, and look, no one's per- no one's perfect. So there's always going to be stuff that we could complain about, and and who are we to judge? We're all here to judge. That's the point of everything, <laughs> really. But, but I do think, yeah, and and specifically, I think about as a kid, I grew up in Ohio, and just even having someone like Andy or Anderson Cooper, who are gay dads, be prominent and post publicly with their kids and stuff like that, to me, just is so important and so great. But I, I understand they're not perfect, and I get that too. I know people are probably listening and rolling their eyes, like you know, I get it.
1: But well, I do think yeah. the the Anderson Cooper of it all is probably. I think before I was a pretty full stan, I did change next to him at a locker room gym, which kind of really put me in a different level of appreciation. Uh, but I think oh, wait, cap-
2: you mean you appreciated him more? Oh
1: yeah. oh yeah yeah. I oh, just interesting. I, th- I <laughs> well wait. What's this? What's the interesting?
2: I mean, I don't know. I just, I never, I don't know. I never thought, I don't know.
1: Well, let me tell you the, what the the change <laughs> happened. My change was when the Kathy Griffin stuff went down. Oh, right. Is right. that I think that started to feel like wait a minute is it, it what what's the right side here? Totally,
2: totally. And I felt you know the Kathy Griffin of it all too. I, she was my entry point into Bravo. Like I loved my life on the D list was everything to me, and her stand up yes. specials I think were just brilliant. And and I always say I think that's one of the things that. Bravo is missing right now is, you know, she had a stand up special on once a quarter or something. You know, she was doing them all the time. And I feel like there's not much of a comedic presence on Bravo. And I wish not taking me out of it. It's like, I wish they would do stand up specials like that, that were based around pop culture, similar to what Kathy did, obviously in whatever comics own way, but taking someone like Amy Phillips or even, uh, Casey and Danielle, like they do live shows, filming one of those and putting it on. I think. Uh, or Ben and Ronnie from Watch What Crappens. It's like they're doing live shows already. I would love to see them support more comedians on the network. Because yeah, I love the Kathy Griffin of it all.
1: I think people would eat that up if they saw a comedian that was like really speaking to the Bravo audience. And honestly, like not only Bravo, but I feel like Netflix could even get in on the the Bravo of it all with comedians. And I think that What's probably happening is that they're so used to the cash cow that is all the Housewives and the Married to Medicine and that style of show that they're probably afraid to take those types of risks when, come on now, we need Ben and Ronnie on that television. We need a Danny Pellegrino. We need an Amy Phillips. I love
2: Ben and Ronnie. And yeah, I think to me, it seems sometimes like they don't invest. uh, Here I am just like talking. We got on here and I'm like talking all this shit about Bravo. But I think they don't invest a lot to me at least it doesn't seem like they invest a lot in talent outside of the reality TV
1: talent definitely uh, which is it's interesting to me because like Andy is such a champion i feel like of so many performers and artists but you know what maybe it's just like in this chapter they're not and the next tomorrow you're going to get a call about some show that you're going to host oh my god i i you're sweet but i also think yeah. Going back to sort of
2: the Andy of it all, I do think people think he makes like all the decisions there and, and he doesn't early on. I think he made more decisions than he makes now, but he's always been really lovely to me as the roundabout way of what we were talking.
1: It about. is. And I want to also put a pin on the loveliness of Andy because he did an Instagram live with me and Matt and it was actually like the loveliest chat. And he was, you know, genuinely interested and like, I would love to have a dinner with Andy and why don't we throw an SJP and come on. you uh, can Kelly re- Ripa,
2: let's get uh, the whole gang up there. But you know, at watch what happens live. The one time that I was there in person, I noticed how everyone was sort of behind the scenes and you know, I was like really like putting on my monocle, trying to figure everyone out. And I think that's the easiest way to tell like what a workplace environment is like and, and how they feel about the sort of head honcho or whatever. And it seemed like, uh, they really loved him. And I've been to other talk shows just like behind the scenes and stuff. And you can tell there's a different kind of vibe, but at watch what happens live, it seemed like everyone genuinely really loved him. And, and the other, uh, people in charge there all seemed to be having a really good time and like nice and
1: all of that. I love to hear that. I mean, honestly, when, when I was there, I like even just the people that are wrangling the audience are really, really fun and just like know what the gig is. And it's just to get these Bravo obsessies screaming and clapping for just a little too long. It's like a little bit of an awkward clap length. But I actually, in a different life, was <laughs> it won't make any sense out of context, but I'll give you the three second elevator pitch. I did elf the musical i played buddy the elf in the uh, the musical elf and i was promoting it on wendy williams and at backstage of wendy williams it was my first time ever being at something like that and i f- really feel like people loved wendy i like it, it made me feel like so that. the and todrick hall was on the show that day also and uh, he like i'm sure is p- truly perfectly lovely but like he had such an entourage and like i don't think i got within like 50 feet of him but overall it was quite a dream and wendy even like during commercial breaks whatever it was was like giving me a side, talking about my lace front wig oh, was... i love
2: that Wendy, I think it does way better than people give her credit for because it's like to just sit in front of the camera and talk <laughs> for thirty minutes every single day. I think is much harder than people even realize.
1: Did you see that clip recently of Wendy sitting and she was talking about someone, and I will butcher it, but it was a like very popular person that she was talking about their social media and then she revealed they were they they died I mean it's a roller coaster ride every time she's <laughs> speaking. It's like what's going on <laughs> Well, listen, so I want to tell you I want to tell you that I was listening to uh Everything Iconic all of this morning, yesterday's episode and I as always are all good, but I I'm so curious, so sorry about this construction that's happening. I just want to tell any listener here who has not listened yet to uh, this recent episode of Everything Iconic, you must. But Danny, the reveal that your closet has not only a <laughs> rosy denim jacket, not only a Kathy Hilton wig, not only I mean you were giving
2: me I have, like, a whole wig collection in my closet. And by the way, like, I'm looking at myself on the Zoom here, and I'm wearing a ridiculous outfit because I literally had to grab clothes because they're doing construction now in the room in the closet. So, like, I don't have my normal clothes. I had to, like, throw on a hat because I couldn't even get to my bathroom. Like, you know... Fix myself up. I couldn't do my powder. It's my Oy, own routine, Danny. so I feel like I'm wearing a ridiculous outfit. But that's besides the point. But <laughs> yeah, I went in my closet. There's been construction here forever. Somebody could come in and out at any time, uh, but they are renovating the unit above me. And so, yeah, it's hard because I record my show two days a week. And so the most recent episode, I had to, like, hide in the corner. And and also, I feel like I'm just every single episode I'm getting on there being like, sorry if you hear banging, but, like, I don't know what to do. I, I don't have a studio. Like, I'm not Wendy Williams. So.
1: But see, I actually, like, like in the podcast world, I actually find it when I'm listening to stuff like that, really, it actually makes you feel closer to the host. And as I'm hosting this one, I, you, I, really when I first started, which was, Danny, five months ago, but, like, I'm even learning in these five months of... It is okay to, let's say you don't know a fact about something and you're honest about that. Oh, there's banging in my fucking apartment. It's like, I, I used to want to try to edit out or delete anything that would be considered an imperfection. But like, people are people are people. And just like we said, gay people are people. All people are people, Danny.
2: People are people. And that is, you're right, it is part of the appeal, I think. It's the the makeshiftness of it
1: yeah and i also i think like it's so interesting when you are giving opinions and you talk about how people kind of clap back and obviously they are entitled to do that but i do um i actually did write down that you were talking about (laughs) erica's running mascara and you're like what are we lauren conrad on the hills what's happening um so i am going to agree that the performance of it all is what is really taking me out of the erica jane is that she do i think that she is more innocent than guilty Yeah. And I know it's all uh, alleged things, but I think it's the way that she is performative. It's like,
2: well, it's all the like hand movements and the she, she said this most recent episode, like a few different times, like, I'm not going to be okay. I'm not going to be okay. And, and then there's such a disconnect between the Erica we're seeing on social media, who's like this boss, who's like, not gonna, you know, hashtag girl boss, and like, everyone's coming after her and all that stuff. And so it does feel weird. Watching it. And then the other thing I was even just thinking about today of like, well, if this whole thing is happening, I can't imagine any person would be advising her to be doing the show right now. And she's like really doing the show. Like she's any other housewife would have stepped back or they would have barely kind of filmed, you know, we would have all been complaining like we're not seeing any of it. Like what's going on? But in this situation, I feel like. She's there every scene telling us how bad everything is. And it's like, that That makes me question it too in a weird
1: way. It does. And also, I think that before the season aired, when people were asking Andy, does Erica actually go into it? He's like, you're going to be surprised how much she does. But then we're all watching it like, I think we're surprised as to like how she's going into it. And actually, Matt and I were also talking about who is letting her do this show right now. I mean, the fact that she says, I'll do anything except confess, go to confession, it's like, <laughs> Well, let's not use the word confession when you're in the middle of a very high, <laughs> high-profile criminal case.
2: Eric, I don't understand. Like, and we're seeing her goods, and she's talking about her wares, and even the fact of like getting rid of stuff. It just seems like why would you be on a TV show doing that? Like, I, I don't. None of it really adds up to me, and I'm not an expert. You know, I'm not a lawyer. I don't. I don't know if I can know. But
1: I, is I, it because I, of the paycheck that she just needs the money? I guess I don't know. It I might know. be.
2: I think that also. I mean, all it but- could be also controlling the narrative. Like I think, in some way, I I do believe that she thinks she's controlling the narrative this way. But I don't think what these housewives never realize, not with Erica Jane, but like with all of them, is. The job of the producers is to create a good show that keeps you coming back week to week. So no matter who you are, they're going to portray you in a good light, and then they're going to portray you in a bad light, because they want the audience at home to question how they feel about the situation. Mm. So if Erica was even a 100% innocent, they would never edit her a 100% innocent, because they're putting on a show. It's storytelling, babe. It's storytelling. So it's like, all these housewives, I think they go into these shows thinking they have control of the narrative. And never i think there's so many times where there's housewives who come across as way more villainous on the show than they are in real life and then i on the flip side i think there's ones who come across as angels who aren't in real life but they want to keep the audience questioning and going on that roller coaster because if you feel one way about someone the whole season then they're going to be gone next season because they're not interesting characters and and it's that's not what the show is and, yeah, so, and that- the erica jane thing too i feel like i Sometimes I'm thinking like last night, I know a lot of her, her fans, I had posted something like on Twitter about how, uh, that car crash story made no fucking sense. And a lot, some of her fans were coming to me and saying like, you know, uh, yes, it did or this or that. And I'm like, no, they purposely didn't make it make sense. Like even Erica should be watching that and going, yeah, they edited me to not make any fucking sense because that's what their
1: job is i was thinking the exact same thing of like this edit of the story was trying to like literally make us go on that weird ramp the car was going on it's like wait what direction okay then there was a he's cheating but wait and he's unconscious but he also called you it's yeah i think on purpose like you're saying the editors are putting a seed of doubt so that we can i mean hopefully find out that she actually is innocent and this is all real yeah, that's I, what we all want right oy vey i really hope so because
2: I, I always think like those fans and and erica they should all be upset with the show not yeah. the fans for saying she's bullshitting us or it's a lie or it's performative or whatever it's like they should look at the edit
1: <laughs> look at the edit look at the what does um i love new york say look at the <laughs> he's like look at the garment uh, by the way
2: keep... why can't we get i love new york why can't we get tiffany pollard on housewives oh my wait which okay where does she live Well, she did, like, this thing with Sonia once. I don't know if she lives in New York or what, but she did do uh, some filming thing with Sonia from New York. And so in my head, like, that's where she should be.
1: And her name is New York. I mean, truly. And I literally had the vision of Tiffany walking into a room with Sonia, Ebony, (laughs) Luann, Ramona. I mean, she would tear Ramona up. That would be... Remember Celebrity Deathmatch? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I would like to see a Celebrity Deathmatch version either... IRL or claymation version of Ramona and Tiffany fighting I would Love that Eric Er, From Our mouths to Whose ears Wendy Williams Wendy Williams and that is correct Um, So speaking of Our gorgeous women on Bravo I also want to mention Luann saying Like you recapped how I've been in trouble For a lot worse when (laughs) What Sonia has just uh, punched some glass On a random hotel wall girly
2: you've done worse right she's done worse and by the way like sonia knocking that glass was was very accidental yes she was sort of like flailing about as if her arms were independent from her body but she still (laughs) accidentally hit the thing whereas luann was like drunk went into someone's room and then refused to go out of it and then got arrested and then assaulted the police officer
1: right and so it's like different (laughs) Yeah, those were human beings that you were actually lashing out at and not just a little little cup of glass pieces in Salem. That's the
2: best part of Luann, though. Like, to me, like... (laughs) that's what I want from Luann. Like I want the delusion and the not being able to see it all. That's
1: true. That's true. We love her for the unself-awareness at times. And I mean, I think the most pristine image of that is when Luann walked outside of that random theater and saw her poster for her show and just went, what did she just like took a big breath and she's like, wow. I'm Like you're standing by yourself, fully narrating your experience. Truly the best thing ever that Miami trip.
2: I mean, I can't even think about these old seasons of Rony because I compare them to this one and it's just, it, it's, it's so hard, Eric. It's, it's really Danny. Sad. I
1: agree. And I want to tell you, I last week I had Carrie O'Donnell on. We were talking about how it's like watching a friend be sick. <laughs> it's like, Oh, totally. Totally. It's just a little tough to, to witness.
2: Yeah. And like it's always been my absolute favorite show on TV. And it's just, even I'm not and you know like i'll watch it but the past few weeks i feel like i'm zoning out so much more and that used to happen when i would watch orange county especially because i'm taking notes as i'm mm-hmm. usually watching these and that used to happen orange county i would just sort of like zone out and i'm like i have nothing to talk about with this episode because it's boring. Yeah. and that's how i'm feeling with roni lately is like i don't even know what to say about it
1: well, it feels like what, what year are we in? Like 2014 when Beverly Hills is amazing and New York is like, is not as good. It's like, I mean, New York has always been good, but Beverly Hills is just at least giving us the most. And we'd be, I think we'd be lost without them right now.
2: I really feel like we we were talking about housewives who are more villainous or whatever. I think, uh, Dorinda was portrayed more villainously than she really is last season. And I'm not saying she didn't have a bad season. She had a terrible season. She got angry. She said the one thing that I think was like totally below the belt about Tinsley and the Turkey based right. to me, to me, if she didn't say that, or if she would have just actually owned up to that and, and sincerely apologized, I think Dorinda would have been back. But really, when you think about it, it feels like it was one or two moments of Dorinda crossing the line. that That they really amplified that were amplified and and i understand again i'm not saying she was some angel she was definitely like more angrier than usual but i don't think they should have gotten rid of her
1: oh i agree god i mean clearly we're seeing the ramifications of a dorindalus roni but speaking of kind of uh really strong characters that we love we think kathy hilton first of all we're grateful but would we want her as a full-timer
2: No, I don't want her. I I want her just how she is. Like, I want her to be at every group event. I want her to be cooking with Kyle.
1: Asking about Uh, hunky-dory.
2: Yeah, because sometimes I I feel that way with Marlo, too. Like, I don't really think it's a good idea, uh, you know, with Marlo to get a full-time peach. It's like, they get to be there just as much as the other women, but then we don't grow tired of them. You know, we don't. We don't need the fam. Although I would like to know more about Kathy's like home life and family life.
1: Oh, me too. Like clearly she does not know how to do a darn thing on her own. And like, so I want to, I want to see the people helping her. And yeah. honestly, I'm sure she treats them very well. Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, I,
2: I even just that one scene of at her house when like Erica and Crystal went to play tennis, and I wanted to know more about like Kathy's China and like mm-hmm. her decorations. And she brought that that fucking candle this past <laughs> week. I'm like, I just want to know like where Kathy shops and like all of those.
1: Things. Do you think Paris will make an appearance this season? I hope so.
2: I I want the whole the whole Hilton group, and I want Kim. <laughs> I want Kyle. I want Kathy. I want Paris and Nikki uh rick what's the sons don't they have a son they've got do a they? son yeah they have a, a boy uh i can't think of this i think they do
1: i'm pretty sure they do
2: i'm they they sure they
1: do i mean listen where there's a hilton there's a way i do want to um pivot to the podcast question danny pellegrino which is let's go into it who do you blame for making you gay whose fault is it danny pellegrino there, I, I've been really thinking about this over the, the
2: past couple of days. And there are so many things I think we could point to in pop culture, so many moments where, uh, for me, I really nailed it down to around 1997. Now, I would have been 11, 12 around that time. And that's when I really noticed a lot of the pop culture. I remember seeing, I know what you did last summer and, and ogling Ryan Phillippe and Freddie Pitts mm. Jr. And, mm. uh, but there was one really obscure moment that I wanted to share with you that I, I don't know if anyone will remember this, but, uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. was hosting SNL and <laughs> I'd had to have been, I think it was right after Jerry Maguire. Maybe it was like after his next movie after Jerry Maguire, unclear, but he was hosting. And I had used to tape it back then. Like I would put my VHS tape in and try to tape it. You know, I didn't have every week, but I, I taped some. And I had taped an episode that he hosted and he did a sketch with Mango. I think the musical guest Chris was like Kitan. Ricky Martin. Yeah. I think the musical guest was Ricky Martin. Mm. So it was like a really gay episode. And uh in the Mango sketch, Cuba Gooding Jr. is like, he's in pajamas and then he takes off his his blouse and he's just wearing these like boxer shorts and he's like seducing mango or dancing for mango. And he sort of like lowers his shorts. So you see like, butt, butt cheek or butt side or whatever, or it was some sort of something that you saw his underwear. And I think he flashed a butt. Huh. And I remember it was just so important to me mm. in 19- I remember I, I had taped it. And then when I saw it, I was like, Oh my God, you know how you go through all those feelings. And, I had it on tape and I remember, for, yeah, it was like barely a flash of skin, but it was so important to me.
1: Would you rewatch it or was oh, yeah, it just... Yeah. Mm. very formative time 11 or 12 is like you're really it's really intense and i think this answer danny is so so good because it's so specific it also catapults me back to that era where night of the roxbury is coming out where chris Catana is playing this mango there's like that will ferrell sketch where they're all associates in like a clothing store and will ferrell's in a, a... the tiny cell phone <laughs> yes it's all so important. And I also find it so interesting that Ricky Martin was the musical guest on that episode and how full circle is that?
2: I mean, Ricky Martin was everything at that time too. I remember seeing the, uh, what was that? His first music video with the candle wax. That yeah. was so... And around that era too, MTV was very important to me because they would do all the summer coverage and the spring break coverage. And I remember the constantly we're having like fashion shows where it'd be like mm-hmm. NSYNC performing And then people in like whipped cream bikinis walking around. And it was like seeing all of that just as a, 11 year old closeted kid was a lot. And I also well, loved let me, Tony Danza and Who's the Boss, but that's. Oh,
1: that's a good one too. <laughs> Tony Danza, funny story is that I, in another life, was a tour guide in New York City and I would give tours of Little Italy. And Tony Danza bought a cheese shop that we would always go to. And so I saw him multiple times. And do you want to know what it was like if it wasn't all positive or do you want me to not talk about it?
2: No, you can tell me. I don't have much of an emotional connection to Tony okay, Danza, but I do physical. have a physical.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, he would like yell at people to get out. He would yell at tourists to get out of the way. And he, I don't think knew what he signed up for. And so that's really, I don't have any better tea than that, but it was just like, get out of Tony Dan's way is what you learned. And that I did, Danny, that I did. Wow. But, um, well, I was going to ask about, oh, so spring break of it all, I have to say maybe a controversial take, but while it really w- awoke, some gay feelings very much so there were so many chiseled gorgeous bodies it was so sexually charged i think that show gave me body dysmorphia oh yeah yeah <laughs> i mean yeah they the casting calls were like hey can you be um a hairless linebacker that has broad shoulders giant pecs and again no hair please and i'm like looking down at like the hair going on my leg at 12 years old just being like oh that's not good
2: i, I felt the same way i mean i think that that whole era was so defined too by like Abercrombie and Fitch. And yes. I was an overweight kid and and I have a lot of hair too. And I remember like every time he'd go shopping, it's like, I didn't look like the guys on that bag, like who the hairless, muscular.
1: Uh, Danny, I would men. collect bags. I would literally collect bags. Yeah, if I could have I, framed a bag, I would have.
2: Yeah. It was hard. I remember they, they would have the magazine, like the quarterly or whatever. And I remember trying to like sneak by it or, or convince my, mom to get in it they had like an r rating on it or they were covering it up and it made you want it even more and whoa yeah.
1: danny you're really catapulting me back there I just like going to see these magazines that are wrapped in plastic and my um i really have not thought about this in so long my dad owns a pharmacy and i would work there as a young person and he had a magazine aisle and at one point in history he did have wrapped Maybe penthouse, maybe something, something, but I would go to the cosmopolitan and I would read the sex tips and I would like, and then they would always have a hot guy of the month or something like that Uh or of the week. And I would pour over these in the aisle and like a random employee would walk by and I would hide it in like a sports illustrated. And then at borders or Barnes and Noble, they also had the, they had the gay. Mm-hmm. porn mags i guess that were wrapped in plastic and i would just like slyly walk by of course you would go into the gay and lesbian aisle of the books and just like oh i'm kind of lost why am i here for 15 minutes uh-huh. i mean it... I used to do that
2: too i was just I, I was writing an essay about this exact thing about like i would get the usa today and i would put the gay magazines under it and then go to the cafe to read
1: them <laughs> and sneak read them uh
2: yeah, USA was, Today
1: is an ally, a true ally. Yeah, <laughs> That's so brilliant. Do you think if you had to choose between Cuba Gooding Jr. and Ricky Martin, if, I, if, I, if both of them wanted to sleep with you right now, who would you oh, choose?
2: That would be a tough. I'd have to go with Ricky Martin because now that I know he's gay, I feel like he'd be much better at the
1: sex. I agree. Uh, yeah. I agree. I, I really hope Ricky Martin is as ha- happy with his partner and I hope they seem to be great. And I just think he is. Wow. What a gay legend.
2: Do you ever say? Have you heard the thing about how he's really in defeat? no i think it's like I, I don't know if he said it in an interview or if it's like an urban legend or something i could you know, you know somebody you have to fact check it but i had heard somewhere that he's in defeat and so now whenever i see him posting online like a feat thing i'm always think I, like it makes me look at it differently you know what i mean i'm like analyzing it and i mean yeah. listen
1: this is how this is how much i believe in you i'm like yeah it's true <laughs> he's in <into> defeat
2: <laughs> yeah like we i could have heard it in a dream like i don't even know that i heard it in reality but I believe it to be true now. And every time I look at a post he does, I'm like noticing how prominent the feet are displayed.
1: <laughs> it's just a zoomed in version <laughs> of a foot. I mean, I think I have no choice. I think but to
2: he t- posted, Eric. I think there is like a recent post. Maybe that's why I was like thinking about it. Wait. I'm look, you keep talking. I'm like, well, I,
1: what I was going to say is I think we have no choice but to title this episode Ricky Martin Loves Feet. And then <laughs> I think the SEO will really kind of get boosted. <laughs> i hope i'm not wrong i i
2: can't i don't see it right now like listen a, if you're wrong about ricky martin liking <laughs> feet there are
1: worse things to be wrong
2: about i'm sorry ricky if i got this wrong but you know what he has he's a beautiful man is the real point of that beautiful story. man
1: and ricky martin a loyal listener of that's the gayest podcast i want to thank you ricky martin for listening again and we're sorry if you don't if you don't like feet i do want to say that we have so many listeners that are obsessed with Danny Pellegrino. And one of my favorite listeners, Sam Meehorter, she wanted me to ask you a question. Well, a few questions she gave me. And one of them, speaking of pop culture moments that we love so much, Ashley Simpson. No one's love better. Her. Do love you her. have a favorite Ashley Simpson song?
2: Yeah, I love all of them, obviously. I'd say like my favorite sort of obscure Ashley track is the duet she did with Jessica of Little Drummer Boy because it's truly insane. pom. The parumpa pum pums in that song are godly and also very unholy. I mean, they're (laughs) just—it's wild. The the range of that song is just incredibly wild. Her singing about how she's a poor boy too, like Ashley Simpson with the dark hair, poor boy. (laughs) With the dark hair, singing about how she's a poor boy too. Like I don't know about her music.
1: Um, um, I don't either, and I think that the Grammy silence is definite for that <laughs> duet of Parumpa Pump. One hundred percent.
2: But I also, lo- I mean, obviously, I love Pieces of Me and Lala and Boyfriend and L O V E. Like, there's so many
1: Boyfriend. Are, are I great. do love these. Do you? Has anyone been like Danny? Can you? Um, what do you think Ashley Simpson sounds like in Pieces of Me? Can you do an impersonation?
2: Pieces, pieces, pieces of me, <laughs> me. It's like,
1: great.
2: I yeah, why aren't people
1: doing that? It's got to be May. Why aren't they doing? Uh, also, the wasn't of May?
2: the remember her uh, TV show, the Ashley Simpson show? Uh, it was like the end of the opening credits. It was the song Autobiography. I think was the theme song. Yeah. And she's like, uh, "If you want my auto, want my autobiography, just ask May." Me <laughs> yeah. like drags on. Me drags on for like ten full minutes,
1: and she gives you eleven syllables in that one me. Oh, Just as me. <laughs> gosh know. the gifts that she gives us they really do not end we
2: we joke too about her her music but
1: like those later
2: albums too are like really really art artfully wonderful
1: i still listen to autobiography i have yeah. a f- music on my phone that i if i'm like t- taking a subway ride i go on shuffle and when ashley simpson's autobiography pops up i say yes Best thank day. you when yeah. clay aiken pops up i say absolutely this right. when jordan this Sparks, is the night this is the night <laughs> this is the day Although i'm to listen it... to this is the night
2: <laughs> i hate that you just brought up that album because i loved it too
1: Danny, how could you not? It gave you no choice. It gave Didn't you no choice.
2: He, what was this song? Besides This Is The Night, wasn't there Invisible or something? Yeah, of course Invisible. <laughs> of course. Danny, I, I could literally that.
1: word for word tell you the lyrics of Invisible. <laughs> I could also tell you that somewhere in the world... Can you there's tell
2: like, me like the can you like na- name a lyric from invisible can you just okay. like i need to um, remember what the song was i'm sorry to like well,
1: interrupt you no 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 please if we're going to be interrupted about uh Clay Aiken, <laughs> that, like why how like that's a gift um <laughs> so i i know the chorus and i'm going to just okay were... cause of course the course like um <clears> hmm <throat> oh i got i gotta go <laughs> okay so it starts on a gorgeous ooh ooh <laughs> And then he goes into oh, and also like think about like a game. I think of this. <laughs> what you doing tonight? <laughs> I wish I could be a on your wall. Are you really alone? Quit stealing <laughs> dreams. Why can <laughs> I bring you into my life? Wait, doesn't he talk about a girl? at some point. Miserable. Yeah, and I could just watch you in your room. <laughs> Scary. You look great clay thank you so much danny um you know what one of my fun the funniest Clay Aiken songs is he's like <laughs> i'm not gonna remember the title or the lyrics at this point but he talks about like light loving a girl and sure. i do not want to like continue gay stereotypes and tropes that are damaging to our people but in this moment i, I have to he like has a sibling s that is just such so beautifully comedic and he's like this girl he loves so much and it's just like a perfect (laughs) sibilance and i i think listening to it i was like even claus i was like question mark um but
2: i think i need to go (laughs) i'm gonna go listen back to that album i need to renew my claymate uh, card (laughs) wait claymate card wasn't that weren't his fans called
1: the claymates you know what making that up i hope they were because i don't know what they call themselves but i guess i consider myself a claymate you know what? We're Claymates now. I'm not sure if that was it, but we're... Claymates for L. or Danny. We're Claymates. Um, wow. What a, what a throwback. I do
2: really... I mean, I loved Clay, but I was more team Kimberly Locke that season. You know, I Kimberly love...
1: Kimberly Locke. I love Kimberly Wait, Locke. She had a really good song that, that unfortunately... Eighth, she world have, yes. oh, eighth World Wonder. Yes. Eighth World Wonder. It's classic. so good. Yeah. You know,
2: want to know a funny little tip? My Please. podcast theme song is sung by Kimberly Locke. And no one, I play it a little bit at the beginning, but it's mostly just in instrumental and at the if you listen like through the end yeah yeah, that's Kimberly and then at the end I play like a little bit longer but it's sort of like an inspirational religious ballad (laughs) and I very early on in my show it was like an independently done song that she did and I invited her on my show Mm -hmm. and to me it like reminded me of a 90s talk show like it was so cheesy so I asked her if I could use it as my theme song and so whenever I get new listeners if they listen to the end through the end of the show which I know most people turn it off like right before that song comes on but or earlier um (laughs) but you can hear it and it's it makes me laugh because new listeners they'll be like what the fuck was that song and like it's hard to explain to people like i thought it was funny
1: (laughs) i mean listen i if you were to say eric who do you think sings the everything iconic theme song my last guess would have been kimberly lock from american idol season eight three no she was early i think she was like three Okay, she was three. Yeah, I mean, God, that's such good insider information because I literally was listening to you today and being like, this theme song, because I, cause I <laughs> fantasized about the Gay Ass Podcast. Like, if we go, if we, no, I think it's is gonna be one long season until the end of eternity. But like, if they're like, okay, for this third 50th episode, let's, and then maybe I'll have, maybe I'll just do an instrumental for a Clay Aiken song. Oh my God, I, please, please do that yeah you know i'll let you know you gotta make
2: yourself enjoy it it's like i know people think what the fuck is this song but it it makes me (laughs) laugh and then every once in a while people will like tweet up tweet at her about it and i don't think she realized like that anyone listens to my show when she
1: agreed to to (laughs) allow (laughs) she's like missing out like millions of dollars in royalties (laughs) Oh, oh, bless you, Kimberly. Well, honestly, like, bless all. I think those American Idol women maybe made me gay. Like, Fantasia Burino was such a big part of my, my growing up. And I, I think the first CDs I purchased as an independent. 13-year-old man was Clay Aiken and Ruben Stuttered, actually.
2: Yeah, what a time to be alive. I went to the tour one. I don't remember which one it was. I think it was the Jordan Spark season, actually. Mm. And she wasn't even there that night. Like it was like she was the big winner, and it was like we just had to watch these other randos. But (laughs) I uh I was so obsessed with American Idol back then. Like through season, whenever paula and simon left that's when i sort of gave up and then i mm-hmm. i re re uh, watched it with mariah i watched that season but i god bless those seasons before then with randy paula simon
1: those were the golden years and i really i will say that i got made fun of because i watched uh kate uh, one of katie perry's first years I, I think jennifer lopez had a couple years on there that i actually really enjoyed i just watched j-lo and just think that like she's so perfect did you do you like the movie Hustlers? oh i do yeah like Mm -hmm. everything i see j-lo and i'm just like god i i she's my everything but again speaking of powerful women there's another podcast question i'd love to ask you which is if the world was ending
2: we just talked about kimberly lock and you're like speaking of powerful women
1: (laughs) speaking of powerhouses (laughs) in culture kimberly lives in a two-bedroom in encino
2: legends uh, in the entertainment
1: industry (laughs) i need to do (laughs) <laughs> a legends ball, but it's only the most like I mean listen, I don't want to be mean to the Kimberly lock because she deserves only goodness, but yeah. I want it to be people that you haven't listened to or thought oh about God. for a while
2: that legends ball I watch once a year on YouTube yeah, legends ball nothing better did you okay.
1: read that uh the- Ke- uh Kennedy Center honors is coming out, and um bet Midler is one of the people they're honoring I can't so wait. i I tweeted that i like twenty bucks that Bette bet Midler performs her own tribute like I don't think anyone else can do it except for her you're right. I mean, she's a singular talent. Singular talent, and gosh, I... I. So actually, this the question is, if the world was ending, and you could only save one character actress, who would it be?
2: Oh, goodness. This is a tough question. You know I love a, a good character actress. Mm-hmm. I always think Alfre Woodard is wildly underrated, but I'm gonna go with Judy Greer,
1: because
2: mm. I just love her, and I feel like the best... Is yet to come with Judy Greer. I feel like she's got a good, uh, she's got some good solid lead roles ahead of her that I believe.
1: I in. really pray for that. And, you know, full circle is that she is in one of my favorite J Lo movies, which is The Wedding Planner.
2: Where J Lo played Italian.
1: She played Italian. Yeah. It was like, oh, sure, sure, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I mean, listen. And honestly, like Matthew McConaughey, say what you will about him, but in that movie, he's so fucking hot. So hot. But,
2: I, I and I love that movie. And so I hate to even say anything negative toward it. But he, I mean, we talked about m- male makeup, and he seems to be wearing a lot of makeup in that movie, or it's just the lighting or something, which again, not a knock, because you're right, he looks stunning.
1: But I haven't uh, clocked that, but I'm really excited to watch it again. We it watch and- it. Wow. Matthew McConaughey's makeup job in the classic wedding planner. Wait, I
2: also just have to go off about this for a second, too, is how to lose a guy in 10 days. I just rewatched it Mm. and I'm shocked at what they did to Kate Hudson's hair in it because it's very like dried out and fried. And it's like also the, the dye job they did is bizarre. And that movie's also very strangely lit. But if you rewatch it, it's like you can, there's certain shots of Kate Hudson. I'm like, she's stunning and she looks great anyway. But I'm like, did, was there not a comb on set? Was, did they Whoa. have no brush? Like, what's oh, going on? I
1: can't. See, this is such a gift to re-watch these movies because what inspired this entire podcast was a series I have that you actually beautifully shared one of my videos called That's a Gay-Ass Movie where I broke down why Drop Dead Gordis is gay. And and I think that re-watching them now, it really reopens to why they affected you so much. And I had girls in my in my senior class that wore Kate Hudson's yellow dress from How to oh, Lose yeah, a Guy in 10 was Days. obsessed with it.
2: One more thing. If people, anyone out there goes to rewatch how to lose a guy in today's, I have to point out this one scene when they're all playing that game of called bullshit, the card game at the table outside of uh Matthew McConaughey's family's house. They're on like a deck or a porch. Matthew McConaughey's character's sister comes in and she was apparently like a nurse or she worked at a hospital and she comes in with just this giant tray of ribs. <laughs> and then she gives only her brother. Her husband is at the table, but she gives only her brother played by Matthew McConaughey a kiss on the lips throws down the ribs and then no one acknowledges it she
1: kisses him on his lips
2: she kisses him like right on the lips and just throws down this like big ass tray of ribs and is like oh i just got off my shift and it was like (laughs) her husband she just just walks
1: past or whatever is the husband giving like subtext like backstories he pissed that he wasn't given the ribs (laughs)
2: I mean, it it was so strange. I rewound it a couple of times and I even text my, I don't have sisters. So like, I don't know. And I am Italian and like we Italian people like kiss on, we kiss, you know, like it's a thing, but i was like do brother and sister
1: like kiss on the lips that way like i don't know i, I don't think it's too controversial to say no uh i yeah. think that also like jewish families as a jew like very much the kissing is like yeah it's like we i kiss on the cheek all day every day every relative absolutely right. not to my brothers we don't kiss each other on the cheek but um i remember like and certainly seeing- not on the lips. Well, yeah, we do the, the lips. Way that, no. Uh, yeah, we the way don't. that we, Matthew
2: McConaughey and, and his sister, who was, by the way, I think casted by like central casting
1: because she doesn't have any <laughs> other lines. She, you know what? She probably was a background actor and they bumped her up and they were like, yeah, you look like you have worked a long shift.
2: And they're like, they're like, just greet him. He's your brother. Just greet him. And she's like, you know, what, this is my one <laughs> shot to kiss, kiss Matthew McConaughey on the lips. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah walk, you, you walk in and you greet him. And she's like, got it.
2: It was the only take that they gave her. And she's like, OK, I got this and then now she tells all her friends like yeah i was in a movie i kissed matthew mcconaughey I had, I
1: had a kissing scene with matthew mcconaughey <laughs> oh my god you did although i would if i were her i would wish she would just like take him gingerly by the cheeks and go in just like a very <laughs> soft sister kiss
2: and in my head they just like didn't have the budget to shoot it again because she's just like we gotta to move on we're behind
1: schedule and she's so like they just kept it in she's like i think my kissing scene made it into the movie i hope they don't cut it <laughs>
2: And then she's we watching in the it. theater. We solved the mystery because I just watched it and I was like thinking, like, why is this happening? But now we we made sense of it, so I feel better. Well, and
1: it turns out that that woman was Kimberly Locke,
2: <laughs> the, the eighth world
1: wonder. The um. eighth world wonder. Well, Danny Pellegrino, I could truly talk to you for about twenty more hours, but so um, as we're nearing the end, I do want to um, ask you a question that. You need to feel free to answer in a way that is true to you. Danny Pellegrino, what is the best Whoopi Goldberg film? Sister Act 2, Back Thank in you. the Habit. Thank you so much. Yeah.
2: I love all of them, though. And I, I do just want to quickly say that. one, uh, A couple of them that are underappreciated are, number one, Eddie, where she became the basketball coach of the Knicks. Mm-hmm. And number two, The Associate, where she became a businessman. And uh, her assistant was played by Diane Wiest
1: what so, every time i ask this question i learn of a new movie i haven't watched of hers and i'm devastated and elated at the same time it's called the associate the associate you have to go watch it it's very i mean i don't know how it's
2: aged because she does turn herself into a white man to become a businessman so she she is, huh. she is in white male prosthetics but the whole point of the movie is that wait uh, this is
1: reverse white chicks or no it's just white and man. and also
2: like BB Newworth is in it and like sort of like falls in love with like the male
1: version of Whoopi. Oh, that's a classic storyline.
2: It's like a very '96, and the guy, one of the guys from Wings is in it. Um, but (laughs) Diane, it's like basically like a buddy comedy between like Diane Weist and Whoopi Goldberg. And it's just so insane. And I remember as a kid, just like I got the VHS and I would just watch it over and over again. And I anyone I would try to show it to, they were like, What the fuck is this movie? And I'm like, it's so good though. And now I'm like, maybe it wasn't good. <laughs> I haven't watched it in years, but I'm going to rewatch it tonight is what I'm trying to
1: say. Good, And we're going to find out if it aged well or not. And I'm excited to get that answer. Well, listen, Danny Pellegrino, thanks for coming on this podcast. It really, really, really it makes my week, day, month, year, and you are truly iconic.
2: Thank you, Eric. This was a pleasure. Hopefully we'll talk soon. And thank you, everyone.
1: Just a reminder, if you want more Danny Pellegrino, that Patreon link is in the show notes and on all my social media. We have extended episode with Danny there in addition to some other cool perks. So make sure you sign up if you haven't. And I'm so grateful to you in helping us grow this gay-ass community. I also want to thank Danny Pellegrino for surpassing my high expectations. Follow him at Danny Pellegrino, P-E-L-L-E-G-R-I-N-O and you can follow me at eric wills w-i-l-l-z and at gay Ass podcast that patreon link is there as well and please tell your friends if you like this episode and we have another incredible guest coming up next week so i'll see you then <laughs>